Welcome to the Hands-On Business Podcast, where else are you going to come to get tips, tricks, and advice on growing your business? As you know, what people tend to love about this podcast is that it is a place where you can hear real business leaders discussing systems, methodologies, and strategies that they have used to help them catapult growth in their business. So I'm your podcast host, Hakeem Adebiyi, and I've grown several small businesses to multi-million pound enterprises and noticed that there wasn't really a place that focused on where I was, i.e. growing a small business. All of the content that seemed to be out there was about big business and often just a lot of theory and no practical implementable advice, which is exactly why I set up this podcast. Today, we'll be talking to Jason Fu, chairman and CEO of award-winning marketing agency BBD Perfect Storm. I caught with Jason to discuss the five steps to make your business to go to brand in any category. So in this episode, what you're going to find out about is the importance of culture, what a go-to brand actually is and the key steps to becoming one, and then things that you need to stop doing to be successful. I always say it, but again, it's true. There will be all of that and a lot, lot more besides. Happy listening. Delighted to have Jason Fu on the show today. Um, Jason is the chairman and CEO at BBD Perfect Storm. Some of you, I don't know who, but some of you may not have heard of it, but I'm sure you'll have heard of some of their clients. Etihad Airways, Moe Hennessy, uh, Seven Trump Water, Michigan De Roya. I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly, uh, legal in general, you know, to name but a few. Now, Perfect Storm has also been named one of the world's leading independent agency, uh, and it's also been cited as the best industry change maker. And we're obviously going to uh, talk about that uh, in the UK due to work on brand and cultural transformation, which obviously is a very hot topic at the moment. So we're going to be speaking to Jason today about five steps to make your business the go-to brand in any category. So I'm listening with a bated breath, Jason. So tell me a bit more about um, your journey to get to where you are today and, and obviously welcome to the show. Sure. And, and thank you very much, Hakeem. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Um, so a little bit about my journey. Well, I guess I've always been, um, I, I guess it's been driven by two things. Firstly, I've I've always been fascinated and, and curious about um, what drives human behavior and, and makes people tick. And I think that led me to uh, a career in in marketing brands and and advertising communications and and second i uh, i've always had quite an entrepreneurial kind of streak and uh, and a desire for autonomy and i guess that led me to to want to set up my own company but i guess before i set up my own company i, I had i've spent 20 years working with major um global brands helping them to uh, grow their brand and acquire more customers and 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 customer retention. And through that process, uh, we built up a, a very large agency that was working with the likes of EE, T-Mobile, Emirates Airlines, uh, Diageo, Unilever. And we, we sold that company to one of the big multinational holding groups. I then worked within a multinational for a, a few years, which was super interesting before uh, setting out um, uh, with a partner to uh, to found the company in 2013. So I'm now the CEO and chairman, as you say, of BBD Perfect Storm. I'm also very proud to serve 
uh, as a board member and, and the global treasurer of the Marketing Society, which is a 65-year-old industry in institution, and I'm an advisor to the Alliance of Independent Agencies. And in addition to that, in a little bit of my spare time, I, I try and mentor and, and support uh, people that are uh, progressing in, in their careers too. So just on the, because obviously you've run a couple of marketing agencies, you're, you're obviously across the marketing industry. So you know there's lots of different marketing companies. So what makes BBD Perfect Storm as an agency different to all the other thousands out there, in your in your opinion? Uh, indeed, great, great question, Hakeem. Uh, I think at the last count, there was something like 28,000 different uh, marketing related agencies in the UK. So, so clearly um, no shortage of, of competition. And so how do you uh, how do you become one of the top 100 agencies in the UK? How do, how do you possibly become one of the top 10 independents? And I think there's there's many agencies doing many different things. But unfortunately, and I think that's a marketing lesson in itself, there are too often too many agencies doing too many different things. So we're very clear what we're about. As, as you said in the introduction, we're a brand and cultural transformation company. And we help major, often international companies, be clear about how they future-proof themselves through the lens of, of their brand and, and, uh, and their culture. Um, I think also I, I should add that uh, we don't just have a very clear proposition, but it's supported by world-class people who have worked in um, in world-class um, agencies. And hopefully, you know, what our clients are therefore paying for is, is world-class advice from, from world-class people, hopefully at uh, somewhat corresponding um, fees. <laughs> and then, then in terms of, because I think, mean, you know, we, we named off the brand, you've named off some of the things that you did in your previous uh, company how do you how do you get to a position where you're actually pitching to the because that's that the holy grail isn't it everyone who starts a business is always thinking about those massive brands how do, how do you go from starting an agency to all of a sudden you're now pitching to these really big customers yes uh i suppose uh in in our instance uh we're lucky in that we um we're all people that are used to working with big global brands. And so the experience and, and the expertise we bring hopefully uh, reflects that in those conversations. But, you know, everybody everybody sort of does need their break. I think the great thing about the business that we're in is ultimately our, our currency is ideas and creativity. And that isn't, um, that isn't constrained by the size of a company. So even when you're starting out, if you have a great idea and if you have great creativity, then, then you can go up against the very biggest companies in the world and win if, if you can sell the client on what hopefully is, is a, a game-changing idea for, for their brand and organisation. And, and, and in terms of your, your own personal career, what was, what, was the, what was the biggest, the first big one that you landed, which would obviously then take you to that, that next level? Yeah, um, quite a few years ago, um, and you start and, and you know, big global companies don't instantly sign up to work with an organization with a, with a handful of people, but you, you grow incrementally and you hopefully go from what some people call sort of tier three and tier two clients to tier one, which is the, the major global brands. And our first big shot was quite a number of years ago for um, Microsoft. 
And I, I, I could remember and, and vividly kind of see us uh, sitting or, or working on this pitch to, to win the Microsoft business in the UK and imagining those other competitors, which, which we knew pretty well, which were five, ten times the size of us at the time and the amount of resources they could bring to to pitch for that kind of piece of business and and yeah we uh we managed to kind of be the underdog that uh that pulled it off and and then once you win that you get a bit more scale and that enables you then to we pitch for what was then orange and we were able to win orange and and yeah then the company we sort of started to take off well one of the things that, that i know you talk about a lot and, and people talk about it in business all the time, but they don't necessarily live it. It's about purpose. Uh, and you obviously say that you put a purpose or you put purpose at the heart of everything that you do. So, so just elaborate what, what that really means to you. It's just one of those words that's out there and lots of people want to say it, but they don't live it. So it's be interesting to understand that from your perspective. Well, I think it, it comes from the starting point that uh, we believe that the role of business is to, is more than to simply make a profit. And yeah, don't get me wrong, uh, that is, of course, important. But uh, <laughs> it's a bit like saying that humans exist simply to consume food. Now, yep. sure, we all need that for survival, but hopefully we as humans exist for you know uh, much greater reasons than that. So... In the same way as humans exist to for more than to simply consume food, well then you know hopefully businesses exist more than to simply create profit. It's merely the uh, the, the enabler of the reason that they do exist. So in the case of, for example, Perfect Storm, why do we exist? And we have a clear a very clear purpose statement, which is that we exist to build and grow brands from which the world benefits. What do we mean by that? Well, quite simply, that we if we have skills and expertise in in helping organizations grow we want to ensure that the kind of organizations grow are ones that we think have a, a beneficial and positive effect on on society and 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 the world um and certainly what we don't want to do is is to work with organizations that ultimately have a, a ne- negative or harmful effect on on society um how do we how do we arbitrate and decide that well, and this is a question I'm often asked, and and of course it you know it, it's not binary, but we as a management team quite simply sit down and discuss: is this a product, a brand, a service that we would happily sell to our own families? And if it, if it is, then um, then yeah, absolutely, we we want to help building and, and grow that organisation. Um, I think it's. It's also interesting that, and as you say, it's it's a it's a term that's increasingly discussed. Um, what we've seen is that consumers, and and ever more so younger consumers, are looking for brands that have a greater purpose, and they're looking for organisations that are more authentic and more transparent in in how they how they go about making their products, where their products come from, and the way that they they bring those products to market, and everything from their packaging to their communications. So, I, th- I think um, purpose inside one's own organisation is is important in terms of how you. Um, in terms of one's own values and, and how you align your staff to it, but it's also actually increasingly what what consumers want. Yeah, no, and, and I think it's it, it's critical, isn't it? Really, I, I would have thought that um, you know if you want to, uh, well, they say don't they do, do something that you love, and it becomes less like work. It's still work, 
And I think that's the same for purpose, isn't it? If, if you don't have a purpose and you not, can't really see why you're doing it, I think it'd be, I, I'd find it challenging to do something of that nature. And, and, and do you see that having that purpose, because I think it's a very noble purpose, uh, and I like the, 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 how you wash it through, i.e. would you sell it to your own family? Do you think that separates you from other agencies? Or, or, and do you think that some of those brands, because it allows you to align with brands that have a purpose as well, doesn't it, I would have thought? Absolutely. And um, it, as you've noted, it's become very much the sort of the thing du jour, you know, the um, the kind of uh, conversation of the day. And so there's a lot of accusations of purpose washing, etc. But yeah. certainly um, for us and, and, you know, our agency was founded almost 10 years ago with, with a clear belief in the importance and role of purpose and and we believe not only is it what consumers want we also believe it unlocks discretionary effort in in the company for the reasons that you say that people come to to work with a belief that they're serving something greater but um increasingly i think that is being formalized in different ways so one of the things that we're currently in the process of is is being certified as a b corporation okay yeah and just before we we started the um, started this, this, we you and I were talking about the fact I've I've just flown in from Italy, and actually I've just come from an Italian pharmaceutical company that that is a a certified B corporation, and they're super clear that the partners and suppliers they want to work with they also think should be B corp certified because it, it aligns with their their organisational values. So hopefully it's not just a good thing to do; it's also a commercially beneficial thing to do as, as as you can see in terms of alignment with with other like-minded organizations excellent thank you and then obviously we're going to uh, discuss the steps to making a business uh the go-to brand in any category so c- can you define what you describe the go-to brand because there'll be lots of people listening and watching with loads of different ideas so it'd be nice to just hone in so that we know what we're talking about <laughs> sure and I, I think there's many things that can um lead and support a brand becoming the go-to choice in their category. But one thing that you will see in all great brands is um, what we call the three Ds. And the three Ds, uh, well, the first thing is they're differentiated. So they're very clear how they stand above and apart from their competition. They know what it is that makes them different. They're, They're USP, their unique selling proposition. And if you don't, if you're not clear on what makes you different, well, then then you're a commodity and commodities have commodity pricing. So if you want to be able to charge a premium, the first thing is, as I say, be, be clear on, on what is your, your differentiation. The second thing is that they're distinctive. And when we talk about distinctiveness, what, what we mean are the mental shortcuts you create to help um, bring yourself front of mind to uh, to consumers and, and customers and, and, and to stand out. And that can be both visual signs and symbols and slogans and, and things like um, uh, taglines and, and uh, sonic brand triggers, uh, the Intel inside noise, for example. And it can also be uh, product design and, and service experience that, that drives distinctiveness too. But increasingly um, in an ever cluttered busy attention short world distinctiveness is as if not more important than differentiation 
it's not um we increasingly say to clients the challenge isn't to be thought of as to why you're better than the competition the challenge is just to be thought of and those, <laughs> yeah. those shortcuts help you be thought of and and so you know the kind of shortcuts we're talking about are you know if if you're adidas it's those three stripes yeah. if i were to say to you i came um which company in the travel sector owns orange i'm pretty sure you would say I've no idea, actually. Orange. <laughs> Easy jet, I would imagine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, apologies. You're talking about orange the colour. Yes, sorry. Oh, sorry. right, sorry. sorry. I, the problem is, I'm a man of a certain age. When you say orange, I'm fit. This actually is a good example of very good brand recognition. Because when that, when you say orange to me, I automatically think of the phone orange. Because when I was at university and I had T-Mobile, the only other real provider that I could afford with orange. So as soon as you said orange, I'm thinking, who does own orange? Thinking, I've not got, I've not gone. Uh, so sorry, yes, yeah, orange, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> as you say, another great example of how in the um, telecommunications category, well, orange, they, they didn't just own the colour orange, they, they made it their name. But um, yeah, EasyJet as a brand has absolutely owns the colour orange. Yes. Yeah. And to the extent that then it's not just associated with EasyJet, uh, orange has become associated with low cost and, and yes. low categories, which shows how powerfully they've they've sort of made that color as their distinctive asset. Equally, and this is particularly important in um, what you might call low interest categories, distinctiveness is su super important. So, for example, the insurance sector is is low interest. It's not, yeah. <laughs> and and that's why you'll tend to see things like meerkats and talking dogs. Uh, in the insurance sector because it's a way of building distinctiveness in a category where actually the service that's being offered is and the proposition is pretty similar they're not that differentiated but they're highly distinctive as, as brands to to cut through uh, and then the third thing is uh so we've, we've talked about differentiation we've talked about distinctiveness the third thing is dramatization and this is recognizing that great brands um create an emotional connection with their with their customers and, and how they communicate it's uh it's it's the john lewis commercial every year that um that that everyone waits for and and uh and, and brings some people to tears and i think that well most people think much more than they really do think when they are actually making decisions and there's been an awful lot of study in neuroscience undertaken to prove that actually in the majority of uh, situations, we make decisions based on how we feel. We make decisions emotionally, and then we actually justify them rationally. So emotion is super important to, to how you build a go-to brand. Okay, yeah, that, that's very, very useful. Thank you. So differentiation, distinctiveness, and dramatization. dramatization. Yeah, and, and I, 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 yeah, if it, you're, you're right. I think people try to believe that they're not influenced by these things and I, and I occasionally test myself and I remember not, not too not too in the not too distant past I was coming home it must have been late I was knackered I can't remember where I was going and I saw the McDonald's plant burger I'm not really into plant burgers to be honest but the next day I it, it was so implanted in my mind I had to order a, a, a McDonald's plant burger and I remember eating and thinking it's not very nice but just emotionally I, was, I don't know why I was tired I was hungry I saw it and it had an emotional connection with me, and it made me buy it the next day. And I thought, so yeah, there's an example. If if you ever believe that 
billboard advertising or whatever type of advertising doesn't work, it still does. Indeed. And um, yeah, in, in other ways, you can see how emotion drives a category. Yeah. So, for example, deodorant. And if you think of a brand like Lynx or Axe, yeah, what um, what they communicate and what they're selling is is not the ability not to sweat, but actually attractiveness. Yes, and attractiveness is a far more emotional driver of of uh, the category and of purchase than um, the notion that I'm not I'm not going to sweat as much. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, so in terms of um the business because obviously people listen to this they've got they've got service businesses they've got product businesses um is there any difference in those three d's when you're talking about a product business compared to a service business yeah and and i guess going to going to go to brand so the three d's remain fundamentally important but i think what becomes as important is is how you build the brand and how you convey those three d's from what we would say is the inside out because fundamentally service brands are service businesses are people businesses and and actually you focus on and drive your internal culture and brands such as virgin have have long recognized and and and, and believed in this and and believe that you look after your people and they'll they'll look after your customer okay thank you uh, did you because i got a bit about the service businesses being people businesses did and did you say something specifically about uh product based well yes well just that um you know a service business is a people business and and people ultimately drive culture yeah and culture drives experience and and product so you know but your your product is your service and your service is driven by your culture and your culture is driven by your people so if you are a service-based business, then the three Ds are important, but underpinned by how you create a customer-focused culture. And and, and that's it. That that leads me on to another question because I, I I think it was my last podcast. I can't quite remember, but my last guest was Alexis uh, Kingsbury, and we were talking about scaling businesses, people plus process. And I'm a I, I love process. I love people as well. But I, I went quite deep into the. Uh, process bit with him so in terms of that people bit because I know that's something that you're really interested in and, and the culture so so how do you how do you make sure that you get those right people to drive the culture because it's all about the selection and then cultivating of those individuals to get to where you need to get how how how, how do you do that because that's one of the biggest challenges I would have thought well how, how you get everyone aligned to yes kind of, right yeah well I think um there's that saying um culture eats strategy for breakfast and uh and yes. i think um, i think culture also potentially eats process for breakfast and and again there's quite a lot of studies around this as to kind of start up organizations which are most likely to succeed those that are process driven versus those that are culture driven versus those that are driven by autocrats and actually it's been proven that um culturally focused organizations tend to be the most successful and and that kind of makes sense to me actually because i think if you have a great organizational strategy for how you're going to take the company forwards but you've got a terrible company culture it's probably going to fail and yet actually <laughs> even a reasonably average strategy with an amazing company culture can still lead to to great outcomes so so yeah so I, I think I think 
culture is is super important then and if that is important then then how do you how do you create culture and um there's a couple of things i guess uh culture is typically described as how things get done around here mm. so so how, so how can you codify and formalize that and and the way that we do that with organizations is we try and understand and capture and formalize and document how does the organization act and behave on its best day yeah when when everyone's working together and firing on all cylinders what are the values and behaviors that they exhibit that that is the organization on their their best day and then often what you'll you'll try and add in is, is some aspirational elements and potentially some values or behaviors that will take you towards the strategies that you're trying to achieve um if you're going to uh, ask me to describe what perfect storms culture was and how we we behave on our best days um often it's we 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 talk about kind of uh, three mantras that would hopefully kind of very quickly describe and codify the culture that that we seek to build and the first one is we employ people that are radiators not drains we've all we want people that bring energy to situations not those that drain and, and suck energy out of situations if you're a creative business rage uh, positivity and radiating kind of um, be- belief and uh, and enthusiasm is, is so important to to creativity the second thing is we employ drivers not passengers people that, <laughs> people that take responsibility and ownership and and drive things forward not not uh not passengers as the saying goes there's uh there's those that make things happen those that watch things happen and those that wonder what happened <laughs> <laughs> and uh and the third thing is um take your work seriously yourself a lot less so and so hopefully sort of creating an, an organization where we're serious about high performance and standards but equally that's low ego and uh and that isn't hierarchical and where everybody so, they can have a bit of banter be honest with each other and and challenge each other in, in constructive ways no and I, and I think that that's really important and I, in fact I want, I want to divert slightly because I'll, I'll just think about because I, I just did a um uh a podcast uh previously on diversity in the workplace and i put, I put a post on linkedin and whether people think feel it improves uh makes there a difference or makes it worse so so just on you talk about the culture and you talked about you know challenging people etc where do you think diversity plays it in that uh diversity is 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 hopefully of course absolutely fundamental on on so many ways and um it's not and you know so often when we talk about diversity people immediately sort of think of uh race sex um generation but but just i think well i think what those things bring is cognitive diversity diversity just people having a different way of thinking a different perspective and you know again as i say in my own business creativity is so helped by different perspectives different ideas different ways of seeing and looking at something so diversity is is not just the right thing to do it's it's the smart thing to do i believe in terms of how you build great high performing cultures yeah and, and, and i think the conclusion of my podcast was from the study well, apart from my own experience but from the studies 
Um, the studies suggest that the mo more diverse teams perform better precisely for the reasons that you've just outlined. And, and it always surprised me that some people, because I always get, oh, well, we don't, we don't want to check a box. I said, oh, I agree, you don't want to check a box. And I've never checked a box. And the reason, what prompted me to actually do the podcast is that it was, it was a, it's the end of the year, beginning of the year, you're always reviewing things. Uh, and I, I can't remember what came up and I thought, oh, actually, I've got quite a diverse team. And, I've, and I started reviewing all the teams I've had. And I thought, I've always had diverse teams, but I've never recruited for diversity. I've just tried to get people with different points of view who, and I think you, what triggered me to ask this question was that, that challenge, because I think you get lots of people in organisations who don't like challenge. And, I, and the best thing a boss said to me once is, I'm really agnostic about the idea. I just want to get the best idea. And the best ideas come from chat people challenging each other and knowing and feeling safe that actually I can give my opinion and no one's going to get offended because we're all, which again, links into the purpose. We're all got the same purpose. So all we want to do is get to a better position. Uh, and I think that comes better from diversity. And, I, and my, my view is surely it must be impossible to get the best ideas from, from a group of people that are all the same and all think the same. So, so how can that be possible? I can I can agree more, Hakeman. And as you say, diverse perspectives in an environment, hopefully, that uh, is low ego and low hierarchy. And that's that's what I mean by take the work seriously, take yourselves a lot yeah. less seriously. And, and, and how how do you how do you do that as a leader? You know, what, what what was the advice to leaders? Because that's always the challenge, isn't it? That you're, you're in a leadership position, and unfortunately, I don't, I don't know whether it's cultural in this country, but we we tend to to, to like hierarchies. <laughs> and when you get into and when you get to the head of the position, lots of people want to make sure that you know I'm the head. I, I am the leader here, so you need to know your place. How how do you manage that from a cultural perspective? My, my personal view on leadership, we, we've had the three Ds. Uh, we recently had a, a sort of board leadership session where we talked about what leadership meant to us and and uh we've also codified the three c's <laughs> oh lovely I, I i love these sorts of things <laughs> if, if they don't know where they're where they're supposed to be going so first of all the leader's got to provide clarity the second is that the leader sets the culture yeah the, the leader's got to be clear on what behaviors are um celebrated and rewarded and and which ones aren't and then the third thing we believe is actually compassion, uh, compassion and empathy, that um, recognising that within the team, everyone's on their own journey and uh, and everyone or many people will want different things out of that journey and having the, the compassion and empathy to appreciate that and, and, and uh, accommodate that whilst also ensuring that the overall needs of the team are, are met. So clarity, culture and compassion. Is what we believe drives um, effective leadership. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm I'm not necessarily going to put you on the spot, man, but sort of putting you on the spot because you know I always like to have a, a little cheat sheet on my uh, on all my on all my podcasts so that whatever the title is, there generally are five tips to do this because I want people to go away and think, oh, I could I could do that. You already give me a few. You have got to give me three D's, the three C's of leadership. So <laughs> you know what are the what what are the Top five things that, you know, if, if I want to, I'm uh, listening to this podcast, I want to have a go-to branding, whatever uh, arena I'm in, what would be the key steps that you'd suggest? Well, you need to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, and yeah, we, we, we've 
there's, there is quite a lot to consider. We've talked about the three Ds. We've talked about the role of culture. Um, I think how you bring that together is actually the really core part in terms of then its application. And what I would say is uh, think slowly in terms of how you develop your strategy around your three Ds and, and how you codify your culture, but then develop the systems and processes by which you can execute quickly. And what I mean by that is the strategy is very uh, people and human led, make the execution technology led. And yeah, I, I won't go into all of the different um, tools and applications that you can draw upon, but you can now execute at what we would call the speed of thought. Yes. And, and actually, you need to be increasingly operating at the instinctive level to uh, to to be able to to harness the the opportunities and, and the speed at which your consumers are in, engaging with you. So think and plan slowly, but execute quickly using technology. Yeah, I like that. That's very good. I think that's I've, so. And then you, you've been called. I mean, I've, I mentioned it in the in, in the intro, a change maker. You know, there's, there's lots of these terms. And I, I never like to assume anything. So, so what, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean when you get awards? What, yeah, what, what is it, sure. chain maker? Well, um, we, we talked about our purpose, that we exist to build and grow brands from which the world benefits. And part of that is working with the right kind of companies. It's also about uh, building brands in the right way. And actually... Brands, yeah, big global brands have immense power and influence, really, in the way that uh, they they buy media and and they um, they they gain consumer attention, and that can be used in uh, very positive ways. But it's also at times we we think in reflection has has actually had relatively harmful effects. And and what we mean by, for example, those harmful effects are. Um, the negative social stereotypes that have been created on the way to creating demand and, and perhaps building aspiration for a brand. And if you think about, for example, uh, men and the way Marlborough cigarettes have been marketed, the Marlborough man, this kind of this tough cowboy. And the imagery that kind of created this notion that the kind of guy that smokes Marlboroughs is a tough macho kind of guy and tough macho kind of guys are typically uh, unexpressive in emotions and um, strong and silent and all these things that actually most most people understand are not healthy and, and positive to, to mental health in terms of that sort of stereotype and what um, perfect storm has become um, pretty famous for is, is seeking to smash what we see as unhealthy stereotypes in, in communications. And, and we're actually part of uh, a group of the United Nations of the world's most powerful and influential um, brands and communicators called the Unstereotype Alliance, seeking to smash down stereotypes that have typically been used in advertising communications around gender, around race, uh, generational stereotypes, etc and, and just making sure that the way we build brands um creates positive aspiration and, and positive reflections rather than rather than harmful negative ones 
Okay, that, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that that purpose, that drive, that 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 um, necessity, almost of desire to to be a change maker, is what's led you to in 2021 to open the the health and wellness division. So, so that that's really quite inspirational. So, just talk, talk to me a bit more about that. Yeah, well, and and yeah, part of what we we work with our clients to do, and and what every business should obviously be doing is is looking down the road and seeing what's coming next. And, uh, and and how can you position yourself to be at the center of, of positive developments? And I guess coming out of the pandemic, we could see that, um, well, clearly healthcare was gonna be a big opportunity, but also an increasing uh, desire and attention by consumers on wellness. So yeah, so we, we, we launched a, um, a Perfect Storm Health as a specialist sort of division focusing on that area. And and yeah, we we, uh, are super happy with with how it's been developing. We're working with some really interesting companies doing some very positive stuff. So, yes, Excellent. always seeking to be at the uh, the forefront of, of of where society and uh, and, and markets are going. In yeah, no, if if, 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 if if so. So, in terms of the health and if, if that healthcare, I mean, because obviously you've just come back from Italy in the pharmaceutical. If that if the pharmaceutical company within that that division, so you're working with just healthcare companies, etc. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, everything from from health healthcare related organisations through to wellness brands. Yeah, excellent. So that's that's very good. So we're coming to the close of the well, slightly less than an hour, but you know, it's uh, it's it, it all depends on how much stuff we get done, and we got a lot done, so that's great. So three things you feel that you see that people do that they really need to stop doing if they want to grow the brand. Yeah, well, um, I mean, um, we've talked around some of these things, I think. But um, the first thing I'd say is um, stop being inconsistent or unclear as to what it is, what your brand is about and, and what it stands for. Um, second, uh, stop trying to be all things to all people. So you can please some of the people some of the time, but don't try, you know what I mean? <laughs> And yeah, the, the technical language for that is segmentation, targeting, and positioning. But actually, know who your market is and focus your attention and your positioning on a specific market you're going after. It's 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 one of the kind of I guess amateur mistakes of trying to appeal to everyone and, and ultimately finding that you 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 appeal to almost no one. Um, the third thing I would say is yeah, we're we're in. Uh, certainly in the UK and, and pretty much on a, a global level, quite difficult economic circumstances, potentially entering recession soon. It's very easy to um, cut back on your, your brand marketing, on your, on your marketing communications. And actually, I would say stop or, or don't underinvest in your brand and in your marketing. Now, sure, you might expect that to to hear that from a guy who's taught <laughs> whose business is <laughs> marketing and communications but it is very well proven that those that uh, continue to invest and double down on their investment through recessions actually not only um, feel less effects of a recession but come out much further and faster than their competitors and actually do you think that is because there is so many other companies that during, well, whenever the money is tight, will chop out their marketing and communication. So therefore, you basically get more bang for your buck because there's less noise in the marketplace, isn't there, during the recession? Absolutely. And, and you know, it's one of the very 
easy and arguably honest areas to cut. And uh, so, yes, you, you will often get greater share of voice, but it's just maintain your spend. And, and as in, not only we typically find you go through recessions faster, but um, or, or, or less severely, but um, you prosper much more so out the other side. And in there's there's a, a fa- another famous expression in marketing, which is it's five to ten times um, less costly to retain a customer than it is to acquire a new one. So, yeah. so don't just uh, invest in your brand, but actually make sure you're you're looking after your customers. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's very very critical. Um, you know, the if yeah, try try to get a new customer. The the cost of acquisition is quite significant, isn't it? And you're not gonna. You, you, I always find it's easier to get more business out of your existing customers than it is to try and find new ones. So, so in the, difficult economic recessionary times, you know, the first thing you should really do is obviously make sure you're you're protecting your existing customer base before you think about expanding it. It's, yeah. it's the easiest, lowest cost way to uh, to to protect your business in a in a recession. No, one hundred percent. Because you've you've already got them, haven't you? So uh, why wouldn't you want to work with them uh, and deepen the relationship? Um, okay, so so we've come to the end. Got one last question. If there's one thing that you out of all the things, I don't, I don't know how people are going to, uh, you know, just take one thing. We've got the three Ds, we've got the three Cs. We've looked at the key steps. We've looked at what change maker is. Um, what else have we done? I'm, I'm just trying to go to brands. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we've we've covered a quite a lot of culture. I've been writing. I always write lots of notes because th- th- this is my this is my uh, learning experience as well. You see, I, 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 I use this better than reading a book, to be honest. <laughs> but if there's if there's one thing you said right, if you if you don't listen to anything else I've said, one thing I want to leave you with from from the, today. Um. Well, if if you follow all these things and and hopefully you you sort of uh, you progress and achieve success, then uh, continue to take your work seriously, but yourself a lot less so. Yes, I do like that. I'm, I'm, so so it, you might you might see that popping up on LinkedIn. And other places, <laughs> but, you know, a, a lot a lot of the things that I put on, put on LinkedIn, I'm sure I'm sure my guests think I say that to him. Um, so yeah, but as they say, you know. Um, Copying people is the highest form of flattery. So um, I'm only doing it because if I get a great statement or great um, idea, I, I, I tend to in, implement them as, as soon as it's humanly possible. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you, Hakeem. Now, thank you very much, Jason. And uh, yeah, that's Jason Food from uh, BBD Perfect Storm. And I am almost con- 100% convinced that you'll have got as much out of that as I did. So thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. Wow, I actually can't believe that's an hour. The uh, the time really just flew by there, and I think it's probably because there was such a huge amount of valuable content from Jason packed in there. So the the things that stuck in my mind really were the three Ds of brand building: I differentiate, be distinctive, and dramatization. I always like when you break it down into like three easy steps like that, and also the three Cs for leadership, i.e. clarity, culture, and compassion. I'm really loving how simply Jason broke everything down, and I'm sure that you can see uh, there uh, what Jason discussed are things that you can immediately start looking to implement following 
listening to this so i'm really pleased about that uh, details on how to get hold of jason as always are in the podcast description and don't forget to check out the show notes at www.thesalesaccelerationformula.com and as always subscribe like and share with your friends colleagues and anyone else who you think may be interested but most of all keep the feedback coming so that we can continue to improve and give you more of what you like hope you enjoyed this as much as i did and as i always do um keep listening and keep growing